Hello there, you're listening to the Park Rush Podcast. This is A Thing Park Podcast. I'm Tom, and there's no Josh here this week. I've uh, I've given him the weekend off, long-awaited week away from the show, mainly because there's not really been a ton of Theme Park news this week. I think the most exciting Theme Park-related news that I came across was finding a Pirates of the Caribbean reference in the new Ratchet & Clank game. It's been one of those weeks. So I'm delighted to instead have with me uh, Stephen Libby from Cinema Blend to tell us all about Avengers Campus. Hello, how are you? I'm doing well, how are you? Very good, thank you, yes. It's been a while since we had a guest on the podcast, actually, but I think I'm right in saying that just about all bar one guest that we've had on the show has been in this sort of post-COVID era. So I guess... I'm interested to know, and I've asked just out of courtesy everyone that's been on over the past year, what is the COVID situation like where you are? Because it feels like every country was kind of in the same boat about a year and a bit ago, and now we're all kind of emerging from it at different speeds. What is the situation in California where you are? Um, you know, it's, it's uh, I think, like a lot of the United States, it's we're in this state where things are sort of back to normal or at least we are trying to act like they are but it all happens so fast that a lot of people are are sort of getting whiplash from it you know i think we we all expected that the the getting out of it was going to be a very slow process and it seems to be happening a lot faster than we than, than we thought i mean in as of uh, June 15th, California is officially reopened, according to the state government. Um, like, and like they, they told us that a month in advance, like on June 15th, we're going to reopen and everything is going to, and they did. And a lot of the restrictions just lifted on that date. I mean, Disneyland, as an example, uh, masks were, are, masks are officially no longer required if you are vaccinated inside the park as of June 15th. And a lot of people are like, really? That just just like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course, and of course, you have the issue of like, okay, like, but you're not you're not actually checking if anybody is vaccinated. So, I think just magically everybody became vaccinated who went, who visited. Yeah, I, ge <laughs> I guess so. Right? They're the official policy: you you don't have to wear yeah. a mask at Disney if you've been vaccinated or are a liar. I guess is right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and I mean, and the crazy, and so then, like, technically like every kid under 12 should still be wearing a mask because they can't be vaccinated. Right, so now yeah. you've, you've got a park where like all the adults are not wearing masks, but all the kids, I guess, are. Um, I have not been there since the 15th, so I don't know what it really looks like, but it's got to be a little weird. Um, I mean, I personally am in a position like I have a four-year-old who's been doing really well wearing a mask. She's young enough that honestly, mm. she doesn't really know any different. Yeah. Um, but and I'm vaccinated, my wife's vaccinated, but if we go out, we keep our masks on because getting my kid to wear a mask if mom and dad are wearing masks is fine. Getting my yeah. kid to wear a mask if mom and dad are not is not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, we, I think to kind of avoid some of those problems here in the UK, it's still masks are still kind of mandated indoor environments really they're not distinguishing between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated i think to, to avoid you know putting people in maybe spots of difficulty so we're all still in the same boat at least for a few more weeks uh we i i keep saying i, I said i think on now i think three successive podcasts i've told 
uh, people who listen to this. Oh, next week we're going to be back in the same studio, Josh and I. We're going to be recording locally together for the first time since early March 2020. This is yet another week where we have not done that, but uh, it's only been recently that we've actually been uh, officially allowed to to gather in the same room as separate households and, and do it. So that's kind of where we're, where we're at. So it's interesting to hear that you guys have kind of steamrolled ahead of the UK a little bit. We're kind of uh, being relatively cautious on our way out, which is quite frustrating for a lot of people because the vaccine rollout has been going pretty well. But um seems like, yeah, just about another month of restrictions for us and then it will probably be back to normal mostly by then. I mean, we can go to theme parks, which is, I guess, all that really matters. So what am I complaining about, really? (laughs) But yeah, no sign yet of us being able to uh, hop on a plane and get to, uh, I guess, the premier theme parks most people would consider to be in the in the US. So uh, we're still a way away from getting ourselves to Disney, which is why it's it's great to have you on, because you have been to Avengers Campus, which we talked about a few weeks ago. But as I was saying to you on the show, it's, it's difficult for us to kind of cover US or anywhere else outside the UK theme park news over the past year because we can't get to these places to experience them for ourselves as we would have been able to previously. So it'll be great to get your take on Avengers Campus because I feel like even more so than something like Galaxy's Edge or Nintendo World in Japan, I get the sense that this one really benefits from you actually being there and getting a real sense for the for the space because from the outside looking in, it's easy to be quite cynical, like, oh, it's, you know, it's a Spider-Man ride that looks a bit like a, a Toy Story Midway Mania knockoff and they're making a big mm-hmm. deal out of a Guardian's Tower of Terror theme that's been there for a while and there's some fancy food, I guess, but it doesn't seem like there's quite the gravitar to this opening as there was for, say, Galaxy's Edge. So you've reviewed the land uh, for Cinema Blend, which um, I encourage everyone to go and read. Um were you there for opening day? How many times have you been back since it opened? Just the once? I was, or? yeah. So I was there. They did a, a media preview event mm. um, the, uh, a couple of days before it opened. And so I was there for that. And then I went back uh, the following week. Um, so I wasn't there on opening day, but I was there, I guess, like the Tuesday following opening day. And and then, yeah, I just I got a preview uh so with a small crowd before it officially opened. Cool. Yeah, it's funny, actually, you mentioning the media day because it would have been, I think it was around April last year, we had uh, Carly Wiesel come on the podcast to talk about a media day that she'd been to for Avengers Campus in anticipation of it opening uh, last summer. And I think right. I remember her, I, I saw her talking a few weeks ago when it, when it finally did open uh, about how she was having to try and remember everything she'd been told at the 2020 Media Day before going to the <laughs> 2021 Media Day. So it's it's been a really weird experience. But I guess I, what's interesting and it's kind of the hook for your review and something I, I found interesting was how it kind of embraces the fact that it's at a theme park. Like, I guess that is one of the key things that distinguishes it right from the off from Galaxy's Edge, which I think is a point of comparison for a lot of people purely because it's this sort of big budget investment in a Disney park utilising one of the two massive IP purchases that the company have made over the past 10 years. And this is kind of the first big effort to put it into the theme parks. But while Galaxy's Edge is very much about kind of making you feel immersed in what could be an actual Star Wars planet, 
this one is almost, I guess, designed to almost make it feel like you're there on a day trip and you're kind of visiting as if it was a theme park. It's just a, a kind of Avengers destination. Um, how does that kind of manifest itself in the feeling when you're there? Does it do people kind of treat you like tourists more than they do in, say, the Star Wars land where everyone is trying to stay kind of in character? Is this one a bit more self-aware, would you say? Yeah, I, I suppose so. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, the, the Galaxy's Edge comparison is is obvious. And I mean, it's it's sort of unavoidable under the circumstances. Um, and I mean, I, I, I do still think that Avengers Campus does go for that sort of immersive you are you know, you are in this Marvel world sort of feeling, but it, it certainly doesn't go quite as hard as, as Galaxy's Edge. Um, but I think that's kind of to its its benefit. Um, and see, I mean, so you walk in and you've got, you know, the, all the various structures and whatnot. Um, and, you know, the, the, the Spider-Man attraction, as an example, Web Slingers, um, the idea of that attraction is that the worldwide engineering brigade that has this building on Avengers campus is doing an open house event to show off their technology. Okay. And so you, and so you are a guest visiting this open house, um, when shenanigans ensue and things happen and you have to get on board the special vehicle to go fight the spider bots. Um, and, and so that's, you know, that's kind of the, the 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 premise of the whole thing is that yeah you are you know all of these various avengers are here in one place and they are expecting you know they're expecting you to come and visit them and say hi and and you know do the ride and eat the food and all that fun stuff um and so yeah but you know so it it still is trying to be immersive but in a in a way that doesn't necessarily require the buy-in from the guest that Galaxy's Edge kind of does. I mean, I, my feeling, I love Galaxy's Edge. I think it's great. But my feeling on it is that, you know, if you if you aren't there to buy into it, you you're going to be missing something. Mm. Um, whereas Avengers Campus doesn't really require that. Cool. Yeah, I think that's good to that's good to hear, actually, because it seems to me uh, and again, I've not yet been able to go to Galaxy's Edge because of this coronavirus situation. So it's it feels to me like a lot of the kind of you, you say buy-in you know the, the buy-in that's required to make the most out of galaxy's edge and in some sense that is very literal like you know to do the thing like the lightsaber experience and that kind of thing it, it literally is a massive extra cost and i think i i remember when they were sort of talking about galaxy's edge in the early days when they first announced it and a, a, there was a I think a lot of expectation built up around this idea of kind of live performances and characters walking around a lot. And I think the sense I get from people as much as they love Galaxy's Edge, I think the reception overall has been really good. It seems to me like that side of things is maybe a bit scaled back and cut down compared to maybe how it was pitched originally. You know, the idea of having like lightsaber fights breaking out semi-regularly up on scaffolding or even something more ambitious than that, like somehow having X-Wings and TIE fighters represented in a sort of uh, more spectacular way than they are right now. Whereas I guess what I think what the most striking thing to me is and what I was trying to get at in terms of 
to kind of getting the best sense for Avengers Campus by actually being there and it being harder to get a real good sense for it from afar is that, yeah, these kind of li the live performance side of things, whether that's the characters just walking around or the kind of more dedicated meet and greet kind of situations or like the live shows with Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, all that stuff seems to give the land a lot more energy and it relies on that maybe more than the Star Wars stuff does. Is it... Is that kind of the highlight for you, even beyond the actual rides and and the food yeah. being? Yeah, I, I I think it really is. I mean, I think that's the, and I think some of that is just kind of uh, it actually helps Avengers Campus that it isn't as big as Galaxy's Edge, um, just because you know those those character moments at Galaxy's Edge, uh, you can you can very easily miss them if you are in the wrong part of the land, just between the size of the land and just the way that it's laid out. You know, if if Kylo Ren or Rey is wandering through over by, you know, the milk stand, it's very easy to be in a place where you can't even see them. Uh, Avengers Campus just isn't massive this in the same way. So it's it's harder to miss that stuff when you when it happens. If Thor is wandering by, odds are you'll see him. Uh, just from wherever you happen to be standing. Um, and then, yeah, just the fact that, you know, you can be sitting, if you're, you know, if you're sitting at an outdoor table at the Pim's test kitchen having lunch, um, you'll see these characters walk by. You'll, you'll be in a position to, to watch some of these shows as they happen in front of you uh, just by sitting there. Um, you know, there's no, the Doctor Strange experience has its kind of set location. It's kind of, and, you know, it's I guess technically it's not considered an attraction in the same way that the Spider-Man ride is, but mm -hmm. it has a place. Um, but like when the when the door melange walk through their show is just out in the open. There's no like it's not a stage. It's not a it's, it's not a location that you make sure that you go to at a certain time to see the show. Yeah. It just happens. You know, the Black Panther and Black Widow are fighting Taskmaster up on a catwalk on the Avengers HQ building and it's just there it's in the land it's where you happen to be and so yeah it gives it gives the land this this feeling of life um that Galaxy's Edge doesn't quite get to I think you know if you know Galaxy's Edge was maybe the test run for that idea and Avengers Campus has been able to execute on it a little bit bigger and a little bit better now that's that's really cool and you met you kind of um I guess spitball the idea a bit in your review of them almost like rotating certain heroes in and out over over time. You know, someone I, I don't think like Captain Marvel, for example, or um, or Loki or Black Panther have been a massive part of things so far. But you can imagine them kind of almost rotating out heroes that have been around for a while and bringing new ones in just to keep it feeling fresher. Uh, I guess the a uh, smart way of doing it would be maybe to base it around the release schedule for things like Disney Plus shows and films, you know, when there's higher interest in certain characters. Uh, but it all sounds really cool and certainly a big step up from uh, uh, slightly um, poorly dressed Marvel heroes driving through on quad bikes, as as is the case at Islands of Adventure. Yeah, so it, right. it sounds like a big step up from that. Although I will always have that. Those quad bikes will always have a sort of special place in my heart, just for how corny the whole thing is. But this does sound like a big step up. Um, before we kind of get into some of that more sort of, I guess the the more traditional kind of structured elements of the of the land being 
the Spider-Man ride and the food locations and whatnot. I guess an extension of kind of the character meet and greet experiences are, you mentioned the Black Widow show. I think the really eye-catching one is the the Spider-Man performance that blends the crazy uh, audio animatronic with the kind of, with the live performer. Um, what, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's kind of spectacular, spectacular, spectacular enough just to see it on a kind of, uh, on a video on Twitter. Um, what, what was it like actually watching it? there at the it's, park is it is it as know, seamless as it seems it's well it's i mean like i mean I, I i will say that you know the entire spider-man live show is very much an excuse to show off this animatronic you know yeah. the, the the actual live human performance part of it um you know it's not it's 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 fun but it's a little corny and it's clear, especially after watching the whole thing, that, you know, you guys just, you had to come up with a reason to get Spider-Man out here so you could show off this animatronic. Having said that, the animatronic is impressive as hell. And and it really is that, uh, it, it, it is that impressive to see it in person. I mean, and this is something, you know, I'm sure you, you know, as somebody who follows theme parks, you know, we've, we've seen this thing it, from its infancy, you know, they were showing off the tech before they were even admitting what they were doing it for. Yeah. Um, and it was like, you know, and it looked pretty cool, but then, but seeing it actually happen and sort of having the conscious realization as this thing is flying through the air, that that's an animatronic, um, yeah. is really, it's, you know, it's like, you know, hats off to Imagineering. Cause just like, <laughs> cause you're like, Wow, I wonder how many times that thing is going to be able to do that before they just need to build a new one. Because <laughs> I mean, because I mean, it's got to like. I mean, I'm sure they do everything in the world to keep it safe, but there's got to be some wear and tear just by doing yeah. it. Um, but it really is impressive to see the thing fly through the air, and uh, and it is pretty. See, like it's not. I was there with uh, one of our video people who uh, is not you know, super up on what's going on in the theme park world. And when I told him that was an animatronic and not like a live stunt performer, he was, he was shocked by that information. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I, I remember, like you said, um, they, they were showing it off before we really knew what it was for. I remember it coming out. I think they did dedicate a little episode to it on that Disney plus show, the uh, one day at Disney. Yeah. And I think everyone watched it at the time and thought, that could, that could be pretty cool Spider-Man robot at yeah. some point, I guess. But I'm not sure it'll ever happen. It seems too good to be true. So to, to see it being used is pretty cool. And it will make a I mean, Disney have obviously got an incredible legacy when it comes to audio animatronics. I, I do think like Universal have up their game significantly over the past sort of five, ten years as well. Some of the stuff they've put together has been really good. But I think... This is, you know, another level again and just makes me hope that I don't know if it's viable to sort of start almost upgrading previous audio animatronics to an extent because it's just going to make some of the older ones look all the more um, kind of stationary and robotic when you have this newer stuff that looks so lifelike. I mean, yeah, I mean, between the Spider-Man and the, the, the Groot tech demo they showed off where the thing is oh, able yeah. to just walk free you're just like okay what what literally what can't they do yeah no i can't wait to see what the joe biden animatronics going to look like in the 
Hall of Presidents, hopefully swings on stage, does a few flips, walks freely around the crowd. That'd be great. Would, Probably be more be sprightly awesome. than the actual Joe Biden, I would imagine. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But then, but, but, you know, but that's, but that's a, but that's a good point though. At the same time, like if you, you know, the, the rest of the Hall of Presidents is going to look archaic even you know with a yeah. with whatever that whatever the joe biden animatronics able to do i'm sure it's going to be the biggest best thing and it's like okay but you're going to make everything else in the hall of presidents look as old as it actually is <laughs> yeah exactly although none of it as old as joe biden probably i think joe biden is <laughs> older than that entire attraction yes, he's, he's, he is he's older than disneyland <laughs> he is older than disney world comfortably so yeah absolutely yes. um Right. Well, uh, speaking of Spider-Man, I guess, I guess the ride is something that we should absolutely discuss. And it's, it's it, I mean, I love the uh, I love the Spider-Man ride at Islands of Adventure. It's probably still my favorite ride at that park, although since I was last there, they have opened two rides, which I think a lot of people now consider to be the one and two uh, best rides in that park being uh, Velocicoaster and Hagrid. So might be a slightly outdated opinion, but I, I love I love the Spider-Man ride there. So the idea of someone else having a go at a Spider-Man ride is is exciting because I, I, I can't, I, I'm sure they will. I think, in fact, they have done. I think they've been asked directly about what it was like to create a Spider-Man ride, knowing that there's this other really well-received one at, at one of their main rivals. And I think they very much played it down and, you know, said we're very much doing yeah. our own thing with it, which... It's clearly very obvious just by the type of ride that it is. But I, it, it's impossible not to make comparisons, even if they are unwise. It's a, it is a very different type of ride at the end of the day and is, as I said at the top, kind of more akin to your Midway Manias and mm -hmm. your Men in Black, Alien Attack and your Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin because it is one of these kind of shoot -em up rides. But the key difference being that instead of wielding a gun, whether in your hands or attached to the car, uh, you are doing the Spider-Man pose, the web shooter mm -hmm. pose, and it's using cameras to track you. Um, how does all that stuff work? Because it sounds like it would be difficult to have it be precise enough to track everyone individually and really make you feel like you're having a, a major impact on what's going on. Do you, is that how it feels you know, when you're on it or is it, is it surprisingly good? It, you know, it feels surprisingly good. I, I, you know, I've, I've done it twice now. I did it once at the media event and then I was able to get a virtual queue, you know, a boarding group oh, wow. uh, when I went uh, just personally the, the next week. Um, so, you know, I've done the ride twice now. Um, you know, it's, it's such a frenetic, frantic thing mm. as you're shooting webs everywhere that I, I will admit it's, I'm, it's it's hard to say for certain just how accurate is it you know i did not yeah. i did not stop to like you know uh practice and see kind of how it works um but it you know but it feels incredibly accurate um and you know at no point when i was doing it did i feel like oh hey that isn't quite you know that isn't what i was doing if you know if i if i missed anything i chalked it up to just my aim not being precise um, but at the same time, there's so much going on on the screen that that like it's actually hard to miss anything because just about anything that you hit is going to react. Um, that's you know for me that was one of the, the fun things about it was you know you're not just shooting at spider bots with your webs you're you can you can shoot at a crate that has a spider bot on it 
And when your web sticks to the crate and then you pull your arm back, then the crate gets pulled with the web and goes flying off into space and maybe it crashes into something else that explodes. Mm. Um, I mean, it absolutely, this, the ride is a, you know, an evolution, not a revolution. It is very much like a midway mania um, because you're, you know, shooting stuff at a 3d screen and you have to wear the glasses and the, you know, even even the design of the ride itself, you know, with a ride vehicle that has two sides. And so one group is on one side, another group's on another side, looking at an, an identical screen on the opposite side of the, the track. Um, you know, it is very much a midway mania in in all of its setup, except for this this added uh, added feature of not needing, you know, an interface device between you and the screen. Having said that, um, I, it's, it's, you know, I would much rather do web slingers than me than midway mania in the future. Um, if I had to pick one, it would be easy just because being able to just move your arms around, it's super fun. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you do, you get to feel kind of like Spider-Man and shooting webs <laughs> of things and it's, and it's goofy as hell. Um, and it's kind of exhausting by the end because you're just, <laughs> flinging yeah. your arms out as, fa- as fast as you can. And after, you know, five minutes of that, you're, you know, I'm, I'm kind of winded. Yeah, uh, people watch but, us going crazy. Oh, whoa, yeah. you have an exercise like this in a long time. What's going on? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. I haven't been able to, you know, haven't been able to get out and exercise. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah, but I mean, I think it's, I think it's a super fun, it's a super fun ride. Um, yeah. Is it, I, you know, I get I'm I'm one of these people that that tries to, you know, you know, look at the positive of mm. whatever the newest best thing is and um I can, you know, if I want to be critical of it because it isn't uh some sort of revolution in the way that say maybe Rise of the Resistance, you know, Rise, you know, that's that's an incredible attraction with technologies that we haven't seen before. And it's massive in scope and scale. And obviously they spent a, a gazillion dollars on it. Um, and something like Web Slingers maybe isn't that impressive from the, all of those various standpoints. It's a, it's a physically smaller ride. It uses a lot of technology that we have seen before. But at the end of the day, hey, I had fun. And that's about all I can hope for with any attraction is to enjoy myself while I'm on it. They don't all need to be, <laughs> they don't all need to push the envelope in my opinion. I'm okay with just having fun with something that takes an existing attraction concept and pluses it a little bit. Um, and that certainly is what this is. Um, you know, if you are somebody who doesn't like Midway Mania or Astro Blasters, if that isn't your kind of attraction, then this may not be one that you like. Um, you know, I would certainly hope that everyone at least gives it a shot and gives it a try because maybe the, maybe the major difference here will be enough to make you enjoy this one. Um, but if it's not, you know, that's, that's okay. There's, we, we all have attractions we don't love, right? That's okay. It's okay. Exactly. Yes. It's, it's sad that it needs to be said, but yes, uh, yeah. a, most people are indeed going to theme parks to have fun. <laughs> that is more yeah. than enough for most people. And B, yes, if you don't like it, that's also fine. Uh, you don't need to shout into the heavens or into the Twitterverse to let literally everybody, you know, know that you don't like it. 
is. Yeah. And, and often people that you don't know, let them know that you don't right. like it. That is just exactly. totally unnecessary. Um, one thing I was interested in, two things really, just in terms of how you interact with the ride. Um, you can, uh, first point being, you, you obviously have this freedom afforded to you because you're just waving your arms around. Do, does it ever feel... Uh, it's a slightly tug-in-cheek question, but also partly serious. Do you ever feel like you're in danger of like whacking somebody in the face? Like how spaced apart are people on the ride? I mean, do you have to be more aware of your surroundings because of the fact that you're not tethered to a, a, a gun or a laser or whatever? And then secondly, <laughs> um, did you get any look at these these like web shooter things that you can actually buy? And what what do they add to the experience, if anything? Yeah, um, I was not. I have not been able to use the the web tech on the ride, so I can't speak to to how it impacts cool. things. Mm. Um, but I, but you know, and I, I, I never felt like I was going to maybe accidentally hit somebody. But I suppose, I mean, you are fairly close together. There's, um, you know, well, I guess in the in the current you know in the current environment, at least the last time I was there, they were you know social distancing folks, so. Like it's a the the ride vehicle puts up to four people sitting next to each other, and I would assume that under optimum circumstances they would put you know different parties together. So if you had two groups of two, you'd probably end up sitting next to people you didn't know. Um, in the era of social distancing, they're not doing that. Um, so I have not I, again I have not actually sat in in the ride vehicle with four people in it. The most I've done is three, and one of them was my toddler. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, she was, she was small enough that I didn't, I was not in, in danger of hitting her. Yeah. Um, and there's no height limit on the ride. So she was able to do it. Although I'm not quite sure she figured out what the heck she was supposed to be doing. <laughs> so she did get a few points. So she was clearly, oh, great. clearly doing something. Um, so, I mean, if you, if you got a little too crazy, I suppose you could theoretically hit somebody. Um, but I think it's, you know, you can, there's enough space that you can you know you can you can shoot a web on the far to the far side of the screen from where you are without necessarily throwing your entire arm in that direction um so you don't i think it's you know for the most part i think people are safe from from flying limbs but I, it is technically it would be technically possible if you got a little too excited <laughs> you could uh, you you could do that oh it's definitely something i'm very keen to eventually try for myself because i i feel like every time i've I guess traditionally, growing up, when I've heard this pitch of you know, we're going to track your movements and you're really going to feel like Spider-Man or a Jedi or whatever it might be, it's it's normally within the realms of you know video games, whether it's virtual reality or going back further, stuff like the Wii. And it was always like cool for about two minutes and then you started to expose the shortcomings and feel like this is just kind of lame, actually. Uh, but th this sounds, from everything I've heard, this does sound far more impressive. And so I'm very keen to get hold of it myself. Um, just final question on Spider-Man. How is Tom Holland? Because he obviously plays a role in the pre-show. I assume his his voice is used on the ride itself as well. He's always seemed like a guy that has like what I would say is good theme park pre-show energy. Like it almost feels like. Did they hire this guy knowing that there was a Spider-Man ride coming to Disneyland down the track and they thought, this guy's got everything we need? You know, some actors you feel like would just be like, 
yeah, 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 whatever. Just let me say the lines and get out of here. Whereas uh, Tom Holland always seems like the kind of person that would throw himself into this kind of thing, kind of wholeheartedly and give give it everything. Um, what, what's he like? Is he good fun? He's 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 great fun. Yeah, he's he's clearly having a blast. Yeah, he's he's in the pre-show. Yeah, his voice is in the ride itself. They also use uh, for the the Spider-Man live show. They his voice is uh, is is you know pre-recorded for the uh. performance as well. Um, so you hear him there as well. And interestingly, um, out just uh, on the live show after that show is over that that spider-man actor will hang around uh and do photos with people and he and he interestingly at least the experience that i had with him um is doing his best tom holland impression uh um, oh, which at least in in the case of the guy that was doing spider-man when i was there was actually not a bad impression at all like he okay. does talk to you he's not a silent character um and he sounds enough like tom holland at least through the mask that it, that it works um so, but yeah, Tom Holland is sort of everywhere. Um, but yeah, he's having he's having a good time. Um, you know, I don't know how much you're going to necessarily focus on his voice during the ride because you're busy doing your own thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, but he's a, he's a lot of fun in the, in the pre-show. Um, and yeah, he's he will certainly uh, whatever whatever they need Spider-Man to do in Avengers Campus going forward. Uh, I, I'm sure he will remain game for it because he's he's a lot of fun. Yeah, I hope so. I think that's one of the most noticeable things about the Harry Potter stuff at the Universal Parks is that kind of ironically enough, as the rides, as the newer rides have opened and become increasingly spectacular, the involvement of the actors has become increasingly half-assed, you know, on the very first Harry Potter ride, which in some ways will start to feel a bit dated to some people, I think, especially the kind of the younger generation. But you had all the all the original stars involved and it felt like a really premiere experience and then you you fast forward a few years and you get like bill weasley is the main character on your new landmark harry potter ride and it's a bit like oh yeah i guess couldn't get daniel radcliffe this time huh whereas yeah, yeah. yeah tom holland seems like the kind of guy who would absolutely pick up the phone every time they needed him to do a new ride yeah. or a new bit or whatever it might be so that's cool. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, well, I mean, I think part of the problem in that case is just that, like, even if you got Daniel Radcliffe, like, mm. he wouldn't, he, he, he wouldn't look like the Harry Potter that you needed him to be. <laughs> no, because no. he's, I mean, he was so young then; he's so much older now. Um, and you know, and I think that's, I think that's part of kind of what works with Avengers Campus too. Is, um, you know, it's, it is, it's inspired by you know Marvel and the the Marvel Cinematic Universe more specifically, but it, but it is not, you know, it's not canon to the MCU. It's this out of time environment, but that gives them the freedom to, to be, to, to do more with it. And, mm. and so they're not going to be locked into, you know, because that's, I think that's, again, part of the problem with Galaxy's Edge, as, again, as much as I love it, is like, there are a zillion Star Wars characters that, you could have wandering around Galaxy's Edge, but because we've decided to set it in this place in time within the existing universe, you can't use most of them. Mm. Um, Avengers Campus just says, okay, this is a place where all the heroes hang out, and so you can use whoever you want. You know, yeah, when when the next movie comes out, like you were saying, when the next movie comes out, they'll break out a bunch of new characters that weren't there last week, but it it 
that's fine. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't break the immersion or the story you're trying to tell by including them. Um, whereas yeah. in a place like, like Galka's Edge or Wizarding World, it would, you know, if you had Newt Scamander from the Fantastic Beast movies wandering around outside of the ride that has young Harry Potter, you know, that kind of, if you're, if you're trying to build the story, that kind of breaks it. Um, but Avengers Campus can get away with, with more, you know, and I get part of that is just because it's Marvel and Marvel and canon and continuity has always been sort of fuzzy to begin with. So it allows for yeah. such things, whereas other stories don't. Yeah, no, that's a really good point, actually. Um, like moving forward, it will be it'll be interesting to 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 see kind of what the legacy of those Star Wars films are that Galaxy's Edge is, is kind of stuck to, you know, um, give it another five years or so will anyone remember or care much for those new characters that were introduced and right. therefore will they go to galaxy's edge thinking who who are you again or you know where's han solo why isn't he here right um, yeah i mean i it would it would not shock me i mean i think it'll be many many years down the line but you know whenever phase two of galaxy's edge or or some sort of major renovation happens whenever we get to that point it would not shock me to see it turn into something a little bit more nebulous uh story mm -hmm. storytelling wise to allow for more of that stuff just because yeah and that's you know for for all for people like you and i who live and breathe and eat this stuff like you know <laughs> we we can we can we get we get into it but you know the average guest going on vacation at disney world they don't care about no, no exactly. <laughs> like oh okay so this is existing in between two star wars movies and these <laughs> particular star wars movies and so this is yeah. why they, they just want to see luke skywalker and darth vader man uh, yeah um, yeah exactly my son's <laughs> crying he wants a picture with baby yoda where is he it's like well, right. so sorry we're set between episode eight and nine baby yoda can't be here it's like, yeah god damn it yeah uh, exactly. yeah the average person you're right would would rather just take a picture with baby yoda and Kylo Ren could be in the picture too, for all they care. Get them all involved; yeah. it'd be fine. Right. Um, anyway, speaking of living, breathing, and eating things, uh, the food at this place looks quite quite spectacular. I must say, uh, it's certainly the most interesting-looking like chicken sandwich I've ever seen. I guess the right. the whole <laughs> conceit of this place is that it's uh, it's in the Pim Test Kitchen. They've been experimenting on the food, and so you have. Uh, weirdly sized dishes with uh mismatched pieces of food whether it is a massive piece of chicken in a tiny bun or just an enormous pretzel or uh giant meatballs and tiny meatballs yeah it all looks pretty crazy there was one thing i'm just i'm just i'm just looking at your review again to see if you mentioned it specifically but i saw i remember seeing somebody i think it might have been in a youtube video i watched of Something that was really exp it was crazy expensive. I think the, the excuse yeah. was that it's designed to be shared. Is that enough to go yes. on to know what I'm talking about? Yes, absolutely. Um, and I, I I did not eat the hundred dollar version of the sandwich. I ate the ah. fifteen dollar version of the sandwich. Okay. Um, which is the one, which is the sized for one portion. Uh, <laughs> yes, there is a uh, a panini sandwich or a pim ini sandwich, as ah, it is yes. called. Yes, you in, did mention it in the uh, in the land. Hmm. Um, and yes, there is a 
There is a $15 version, which is just the normal sandwich. And then there is the $99.99 version of the same sandwich. Um, <laughs> but it is designed to serve, according to Disney, six to eight people. Um, so if you, wow. ha if you can find six to eight people who can all agree on what they want to have for lunch, which, <laughs> you know, good luck with that in a theme park. Yes. Um, then you could, I mean, it is technically cheaper for six to eight people to buy the $100 sandwich than to buy, you know, eight, ver eight versions of the smaller sandwich. Um, so I have not actually seen, I have, like, I have not looked for the YouTube videos. I'm sure they're out there. Um, I, so like, is it, is it a, is it just like eight of the sandwiches stuck together or is it like literally a giant version of one sandwich that you have to cut into? I'm not quite sure. Um, but it does exist that way if you want it. Uh, I, yeah, I had the normal sandwich, which I thought was pretty tasty. Um, uh, Jeff, my, my video editor who was there with me, he had the, uh, what was called the impossible spoonful, which is a, it's an impossible meat, uh, meatballs with pasta. Um, and it's, it's a pretty funny dish because like it's, they give you like giant meatballs and little tiny meatballs and large pieces of, I think it was rigatoni pasta and small pieces of rigatoni pasta all in the same dish. And they give you this little tiny fork to eat it with. <laughs> I have a, I have a, a, a picture of, of, of Jeff, you know, holding a piece of pasta with this little tiny fork and a look on his face that he is thoroughly unimpressed he enjoyed he enjoyed the food he liked, no, he that, liked that the food, sound but, he, but he had um, to go back and he had to go back and get a regular sized fork to eat it with because <laughs> the the tiny fork was a little much yeah um but yeah um yeah the, yeah the food the food i think for me is is interesting they 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 did not have the bar open on the media day but they did when i went back and so i got a couple of the adult beverages from the PIM tasting lab, um, which were very tasty. I drank, like I bought like two different ones and drank them way too fast, um, but also didn't like, didn't feel like I did not start falling over after I had two of them. So I'm not, That's good, I, I don't yeah. think they're very strong, which is not a bad thing if you're mm. gonna be spending your day in a theme park. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, it was all very, very tasty stuff and very interesting. The other thing that I enjoyed, um, even though I didn't get a chance to taste the food, one of the things I like about the, the test kitchen um, is it has a, a breakfast menu. Uh, okay. And one of the things that, that I, about California Adventure specifically, that I have always sort of been bummed about is they, they didn't have a place to get like a reasonable quick serve breakfast. Um, like if, you know, for if you, I mean, there were plenty of things, plenty of places to eat, obviously, and you could go inside the Starbucks and get whatever you wanted. But if you wanted, you know, bacon and eggs or French toast, the only places to do that kind of a meal would be to like would be to get you know table reservations at a character dining place or whatever. California Adventure didn't have like a quick serve place to get that sort of breakfast stuff, um, and the the test kitchen has that, so. Like I, cool. it's going to start being my like go-to like okay first thing in the morning we're going into the park and we're going over to the test kitchen to get breakfast because I want to have coffee and bacon and eggs. And is that um, weird? Is that weirdly sized as well, or do they do kind it, of? Yeah, I mean, food? some of it is. Yeah, some of it is all. It's all weirdly sized stuff. Um, okay. So I'm not sure how the dish itself is going to 
play out, but it's, yeah. you know, the food itself is still normal, even though it all looks a little weird. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was, I'm, I look forward to going back and trying new food because for like, you know, food is a, food is a big thing for me personally. I love theme park. You know, I love good theme park food. Yeah. Uh, and I love just trying new, interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, so I will be trying different uh, things every time I go back until I've eaten everything. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I because obviously you know speak on the kind of theme park food front and trying to make it as immersive as possible. After a while at Galaxy's Edge, they started adding, I guess, what you would describe as translations onto the menus, right? right? So people that got fed up asking, "What is a Ronto wrap again, please?" It now will just say on there. I wonder if right. Avengers, if Pim Test Kitchen gets to a point where they start offering normal sized foods for people yeah. that just feel like, just give me. Normal bacon and eggs, please. I don't need right. the eggs to be absolutely enormous. I, I get it; it's fun, <laughs> but I just want breakfast. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think I, I think for the most, at least, yeah, with the stuff that I tried, at least it was like you know, it was it was sort of weird that that it all came out the way that it did, but it was easy enough <laughs> to just eat it normally, even if it was a giant meatball. Um, so I mm. think, uh, yeah, so I think that's maybe another lesson learned from Galaxy's Edge. Not to go, not to get too crazy with the food. Yeah, uh, but no, you're right. I'm, I'm with you there. Good thing park food. You can't, re you can't really beat it. Uh, and it's the most disappointing thing about being restricted to the UK thing park scene right now is that some absolutely terrific roller coasters up and down the land here. But the the food offerings at, at every park we've been to since they reopened in May, uh, pretty lackluster. We're not getting the crazy popcorn of. Tokyo Disney or uh, the the butterbeer of, of of Universal or or the crazy oversized food of the Pim Test Kitchen. There's there's nothing quite as fun or interesting as any of that stuff, unfortunately. But hey ho, uh, we take what we can get at the moment. Just uh, I guess the final thing and uh, the final uh, pillar of any good new theme park land is how they can get you to spend even more money on stuff. And I guess the the big thing they're pushing for this are are the spider bots, right? Uh, take home your own spider bot. Now, am I right in thinking you've actually, because of the staggered way in which Disneyland has been opening and reopening over the past year and a bit, you've been able to buy the spider bots? Is it in Downtown Disney since about Christmas time? But I, I'd imagine they're still being pushed, are they, as kind of the key piece of merchandise that that you should pick up if you're in. Avengers Campus with money to burn? Is it? Are they yes, either, as... I, yeah, either the the spider bots or the the web tech things, ah, yes. because those 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 do have you know toy features outside of what mm. they can do on the ride. So even so, you can uh, you know you can you can still buy those and play around with them, and they make lights and make noise and all that good stuff. Yeah, I I uh, they I I have a spider bot. Um, it uh, it's it's a fun little remote control toy. Um, the, the main thing about them, which, I mean, again, it exists to make you spend money, is that to get the sort of the full functionality out of them, you need two of them because they're designed to battle each other. Uh, I see. Um, the remote control has, uh, you know, buttons on it that allow you to, you know, basically shoot like infrared beams at each other. And so if you if you hit your opponent enough times, then, the you know, you you win and like the top of the spider bot blows up and flies off. 
and then you have to put it back on and try again. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the major two kind of innovations are the web tech and the spider bot. And yeah, like I, I saw, I, I got a look at the web tech stuff up close, but did not, uh, did not spend the money on that. Um, but it does, it looks like fun, you know, again, as somebody who, you know, has been a Spider-Man fan since I was a little kid and like, yeah, the idea of putting this thing on and being able to, you know, feel like Spider-Man seems pretty cool. Um, mm -hmm. the, the Spider-Bot itself and the Spider-Bot has, uh, kind of like the web tech where you can get different flavors of it. The Spider-Bot has, uh, add-ons that you can purchase to give it like. Uh, a Black Widow look or an Ant-Man look. Ah, okay. Um, and uh, and I'm sure they will come out with more of those as yeah. new characters and movies get released and whatnot. Um, you know, it's yeah, it's the Spider Bot is a fun little a fun little toy. My my daughter likes to just watch it walk around. Um, <laughs> but it is it's it's essentially a little remote control car. Um, yeah. my wife who doesn't, my, my wife who doesn't care for spiders was kind of weirded out by it. So I guess it works <laughs> as a spider. Yeah. Uh, cause it's kind of creepy, but and how uh, much, how much do they, do they go for? How much? Oh God. I don't even, this, the spider bot was actually part of the, was a gift from the media. Day, oh, so fair I enough. I don't, I don't have that number off the top of oh, my that's head, all right. but I think it's, it's not too expensive. It's, I think they're, I wonder if they do you bucks. like it. Cause obviously, as you were saying that you get the most functionality if you've got two. I wonder if they do you a deal, you know, yeah. ten bucks off if you buy two spider bots or something like that. I don't know. That would it feel. It, that feel, would be... it feels like they should do. Just throw you a bone. That would be know. nice, but I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah no. Well, it was like I was. I was actually. I was shocked when they with those the web tech, the web slinger things. Like, because there's a base unit that's right. like thirty five bucks. And then the add-ons are like thirty bucks, Ugh. and it's just I, I like I that was like the thirty-five bucks for the base unit was like okay that's that's about what I expected, but I thought the little, little add-ons would mm. be you know more like half the price of the of the main <laughs> unit, but yeah. no, it's like it's like I mean come on guys, you're, you're taking going a the... little overboard there. They're taking the Apple. Uh, they haven't quite taken the Apple approach. We've just had the misfortune this past few days of uh, it's Father's Day, uh, as of recording today here in the UK at least. And uh, yeah, one of the things we got our dad was uh, an, an AirTag, one of those little tracker things that Apple have just brought out. Mm -hmm. And the keychain thing that you need to actually attach it to something is more expensive than yeah. the AirTag itself. So I don't know if at least at least at least they're not doing that at Disney. You know, oh, the Spiderbox thirty and the add-ons thirty-five. You know, that would yeah. be don't, don't give them any ideas. Truly absurd. I'm sure. Do they try and sell you like Spider Care for your bot or something? <laughs> you can bring it back if it gets <laughs> broken. We'll fix it for five bucks or something. Yeah. Uh, I did see when I was there the week after the media day, um, one of the things you can buy, which is silly, but it looks, but it, all, but it still looks very fun, is a, it's an Iron Man Infinity Gauntlet. So it's the big, oh yeah, the big Iron Man arm with a, the, and the hand is designed to hold a 20 ounce bottle of Coca-Cola. <laughs> like it's basically just a big it's 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 a it's a big drink accessory honestly nice um but i was i was one i was waiting for a, a table at at uh the lamplight lounge and 
some kid like his broke like the at the knuckles like the thing just broke and obviously he just bought it that day and i did hear like a cast member being like oh yeah no we'll take care of that we'll replace it so that was nice like oh, they weren't okay. gonna have to like buy a second one to yeah to you know like okay well that's good like thanks for taking care of them yeah uh, uh well, it, it all sounds great. I mean, I don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to keep you any longer than I absolutely need to. And as far as I'm concerned, I think we've covered all bases. And I, as I said at the top, I recommend that people check out your full review at Cinema Blend. We'll tweet a link out and put it in our show notes on the website as well. There, is there any, any final thing you can think of that's worth mentioning that we haven't covered? Or do you have any sort of final thoughts that you'd get out there about Avengers Campus beyond what we've talked about? I think we've we've pretty much covered everything. Mm. Um, the, the one thing I would I, I would sort of recommend, you know, having experienced the whole thing as a guest is, you know, for, for anybody who is potentially looking to go in the, the short term, um, try to get, you know, do, do your best to get into the land early. Uh, one mm. of the issue one one issue that I will say that I had showing up as a guest, and I think this will probably get fixed as time goes on, um, was, you know, a lot of the live shows, they don't have, like, an official schedule. They're not exactly right. when they're all happening. It's not not laid out. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if you are trying to catch them, that can be a little tough. And even, like, even grabbing, like, I talked to a cast member who was working the Doctor Strange show, and she could tell me when the next Doctor Strange show was going to happen, but she couldn't tell me when uh, Spider-Man was going to show up again, or, you know, if the Dora Milaje had another show that evening. And most mm -hmm. of the shows are ending around sundown, um, so the earlier you can get into the land, the better. Um, but that that was the one the one sort of hiccup that I, I ran into was, yeah, there was, there wasn't a lot of, of explanation regarding when the shows were happening and that kind of thing. And I'm sure that will, you know, even the cast members are fairly new to this whole thing right now. So it, I, I don't hold it against them too much to not have all the answers. I'm sure they will eventually. Um, but, uh, but that was one, one, one hiccup that I did run into. Although for, as of, as of now, from what I've been seeing just anecdotally on Twitter, it, it, does not look like it looks like getting into Avengers Campus just to be able to wander around is is getting close to no longer requiring actually you know getting in line for the last couple of weeks there's been standby lines just to get into the land but it looks like that's finally starting to fade away so people showing up in the near future probably won't have to wait too long they can just go check it out and have plenty of time to see everything there is to see and there is you know because there are multiple shows that aren't happening all the time you know there's actually a lot to see if you if you want to make sure you catch all of these mm. various performances yeah yeah i guess that's a trade-off isn't it the fact that there isn't a set timetable at least not kind of publicly um for these shows it kind of adds to that sense of spontaneity and making the whole place feel a bit more alive but yeah on the flip yeah. side if you're there Maybe and especially move it looking forward if you've got f foreign tourists coming back into the park, hopefully at some point this year or certainly next, um, you know, if they are like, OK, we've got one day here, you know, we want to see everything. Hopefully by then they'll maybe be a bit more open about exactly when certain shows are on so that people feel like they can get their money's worth out of their day. 
Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's cool. Like you say, it seems like there is quite a lot to do and it being Marvel, there are a ton of, of Easter eggs and hidden little bits of trivia that you can poke around and find as well, which uh, all looks like good fun. Um, but yeah, I think we'll leave it there. Uh, again, thank you very much for your time and for coming on the show. It's been really good to get a kind of first-hand account of what Avengers Campus is all about. And it certainly made me more excited to get there for myself at some point. Um, Thanks before so much I let for you having go, me. I really appreciate it. No, thank you. Thank you. And um, before I do let you go, where can people find you on the internet? What, what is it you do? Where can people find uh, all your stuff? Okay. Well, yeah, I have, you know, I do all of my, my, my actual writing for cinemablend.com. Um, so that is where you can find all of my long form diatribes on all things theme park and a few other things. Um, you can find me on the Twitters uh, at Child Dirk. So it's C-H-I-L-D-E underscore D-I-R-K. Um, I also have an Instagram by that same title that I usually only use when I'm in theme parks, so there aren't a lot of pictures there. Um, you know, Twitter is the place to find me if you actually want to you know, just, you know, find my work, listen to my random thoughts on theme parks, because that's basically all I tweet about these days, theme parks and occasionally my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and just most importantly, is it the Twitter or the Instagram that people can find that picture of your uh, your camera guy with the ridiculous fork? Um, you know, I I I think it's I put that on Instagram. I don't know. Yeah, it's, I'm sure it's on Twitter. Um, <laughs> if it's not, I'm going to go put it on Twitter right now, uh, so that it, so that it will be visible for everybody because it is it's 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 a very funny picture. It makes me laugh every time I see it. I'll go put it on there right now. <laughs> excellent thank you very much okay well uh we'll leave it there uh we'll be back next week with another installment of the park rush podcast you can of course find us on twitter at park rush podcast as as ever you can email the show podcast at parkrush.com we'll dive back into the inbox next week see if there's anything in there we haven't looked at it for a few weeks and uh you can find of course the show at parkrush.com or on your preferred podcasting app We'll be back next week. Uh, Josh will be back. Thanks again very much to Stephen. And uh, take it easy, everybody. Stay safe out there. Get your vaccines. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye.